Okay. This program is the one you'll stick to and the best gym crushes you because you honor that gym crush. Okay. Cool. And you can say that part. All right. Let's get back up to the tippity toppity and fuck with the tippity toppity <laughs> I'm the one who says that shit, not you. <laughs> it was good though. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> did you like how I just stared at you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like waiting for something you look at me. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to open it? Yeah, you can open it up. Open up this can of worms. Open up this can of whoop ass. Welcome back to your gym crush, Andy and Kendall here. What's up, our gym crushes? Your gym crushes. Our gym crushes. You're all our gym crushes. Exactly. <laughs> all right, today we have a very special, a very thorough programming episode that I think has been much anticipated and it seems like people really want to know a lot about this and I think we get probably the most questions about this kind of stuff so it's going to be probably a little bit longer and um, but we're going to give you a lot of good information today and you should feel confident in making your own program after this. So let's just get right into it team. So we're going to start off with like just types of strength training or types of resistance training programs. Um, The first thing it's just like re- recreational lifting. So that's what majority of people do. That's pretty much what I do. What, what most of my friends do. It's just like general health and wellness or, you know, working out in the beginning or just starting to lift and just lifting two to three times a week just to be active and to gain strength and to keep up what we want to keep up. That also relates over to like maintenance training where you're just trying to maintain what strength you have and just trying to be active. Then on the flip side, there's also like competitive lifting or competitive programming like powerlifting, weightlifting, bodylifting, CrossFit, strongman, strongwoman, all those things are more competitive. There's also sports and athletics that you compete for too. Um, and those would be more of like the intense training that we alluded to a little bit into our last episode. Um, but there is no, you know, one that's better or worse or what have you working out is working out. Um, and any form of lifting is going to get you uh, going in the right direction. And I think one of the first things that you think about when you are thinking about starting a resistance training program is, all right, how many days per week can I commit to? And this is dependent on what's realistic for you. There's no magic number. There's no, like, you have to do this many days a week or else it's not worth your time. One day, two days, three days, however many days a week you can commit to realistically, keyword realistically, um, is how many days a week you should resistance train. Um, yeah. And like, you know, for, for that, for me, that'd be, I, I like to lift around three to six times a week. Um, Kendall likes to lift around three times a week. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, at the moment, I'm not really on a program because I don't belong to a a traditional gym. I only belong to F45. So I try, I'm trying to do four F45 classes a week they alternate between cardio and strength days. So as many oh, yeah. strength as I can get in. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, where so, I am right now. Um, typically, we see if we are lifting really heavy, you want to have longer rest periods. So if you are training super intense and doing a really heavy lifting strength training program, potentially you want to do like 
two days to three days of rest in between. Um, or if you're doing a lighter load, maybe you're doing like body pump from Les Mills, you know, maybe you would just have like a day off, two days off in between, and you're pretty good to go. Um, if you're working out lighter loads or more of like accessory lifts. So, you know, ideally what we, a general rule of thumb is, you know, lift all your major muscle groups one to two times a week, um, to help maximize strength training, help, uh, lead to hypertrophy as well, um, in a workout split. Yeah. One thing that I really like about F45 is that they alternate cardio and strength days um, for that reason. Um, not to just a little F45 plug, but yeah. F45 <laughs> is great. And I get a lot of people asking me about F45. Now I work at Burn Bootcamp uh, <laughs> and at Burn, we always do everything. Every single day is different. Every single week is different. Your body is always guessing, which is beautiful in its own right. But then it, you know, sometimes people are asking me, do, you know, do we do enough strength days? And yeah, ACSM recommendations are two to three days of lifting per, of strength training per week. Um, so whatever that, two, whatever it's, you know, if you're lifting heavy, lifting light, whatever, two to three days a week. Um, and burn typically follows that too, with like an upper body day or lower body day or full body strength day. Um, and I know F45 does that well. And of course, other gym outlets, CrossFit, you know, I'm sure orange theory does lifting all the time. I have no idea, but yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of us, you know, we might not even belong to a gym like that. Uh, we might not belong to a gym at all. Uh, but there are different workout splits we can kind of talk about, and we'll get into these more a little bit later too, but like, you know, whether we're working full body or if we're working an upper body one day or a lower body one day, or maybe we're working a push where we're pushing the dumbbells, pushing the barbells, pushing the load versus a pull where we're pulling the load into our body. Um, or potentially even if we're doing a split, where we're doing like muscle groups. So one day I'll work biceps, the next day I'll work triceps, the next day I'll work calves. That's oversimplifying it, but breaking it down into that muscle group split as well. There's, yeah. I was just gonna say there's several splits, um, but we're gonna get into more of the details of what even is that and how we would set that up for ourselves. Yeah. I think when you're thinking about your workout split, it's important to think about how many days per week you're committing to. So whatever, however many days you decided, if you're, if you're going to resistance train like twice a week, then maybe you do two full body days because you, if you're trying to hit every muscle group one to two times a week, then you're hitting that two times a week mark by doing full body two days. If you're doing like four days, maybe you do two upper, two lower, like two full bodies, one upper, one lower. Um, so however you want to kind of work out that workout split that so that you're hitting the all, every muscle group one to two times a week is kind of up to you. There's no one that's better than the other. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into, you know, exercise selection. So what movements we will specifically be working on in a workout? Um, just to start us off with, this is all dependent on your personal goals. So everything we say from this point forward and from the point that before this, it's all dependent on you. Um, but let's dive in a little bit here. So in terms of just the movements, we have single joint movements or a workout that will, or a movement that will work around one joint. So a great example of this is like a bicep curl where you're pretty much in a very stable position and all you're doing is moving around the elbow and you're bringing your forearm to your bicep and then your forearm is going by your thigh. A bicep curl, pretty simple, just a single joint movement where it compare that to a multiple joint movement, a more compound movement, um, like a squat or a deadlift in which you're working around multiple joints at the same time. So a squat, you're going to be flexing and extending at the ankle, your knee and your hips. 
So it's going to be three joints that are working at the same time to get this big compound complex movement underway. Um, and those are the two biggest distinctions we see between like exercises we select in a workout program. Mm -hmm. And when you are creating your workout program and thinking about your exercise selection, you want to make sure that you're including some type of, you should include both single and multi-joint exercises. And it should include some type of squat, some type of hinge movement. So like a Romanian deadlift is a good example of that. Some type of push movement. So mostly chest and tricep and some type of pull movement. So mostly back and bicep. And really assess your daily, your activities of daily living to see what are things that you do frequently. And then maybe, hey, I'll train movements in the gym that kind of mimic that. And that can be functional for you and help you um, perform the movements that you're looking for or get stronger at movements that you're trying to perform. Um, and once again, let's reiterate it. Pick exercises that you like. So I love a barbell back squat. I love squats. They're great. I swear they get my glutes killer quads killer i love squats um also hate squats it's a love-hate relationship um but I, you know i wouldn't just force myself to do squats if i absolutely despise them um, no matter how beneficial they are so finding movements that we you know can pick and choose plug and chug that we actually enjoy that we look forward to um that we understand have some benefits for us as well i personally the barbell back squat is not my favorite lift and I don't really enjoy it but I will say that you should also pick lifts that you maybe aren't very good at <laughs> and the reason I do barbell back squat is because I want to get better at them they're not my favorite and they're hard and I don't feel like it's my best lift I know it's not and so that's something that I want to work harder at mm -hmm. um, and get better at so it's like I don't necessarily love the exercise but I'm going to do it because I want to get better at it yeah. Um, and I think that comes into really prioritizing areas that you have specific goals in. And we can have a whole different conversation about priorities. It's a big, you know, thing I like to talk about in terms of how we actually get ourselves into working out. But if you have a priority, like, you know, I really want to get handstand pushups, then specificity, train your handstand pushups, try to do it, try to find other movements that help you get into it. Just like Kendall wants to improve her barbell back squat do that movement, start with a lighter load, start with dumbbells, whatever it is, and prioritize it, build up to it. Because um, if you prioritize a movement that you're super curious about, or, you know, want to improve, then you will do it. And you will, you know, make that a main focus of your program. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing that we really wanted to point out here is that people are probably going to ask how, like, how many exercises should I program? And the answer is not very many. <laughs> um, you don't need you don't need 15 exercises to get a good workout. You don't even need 10. Um, we in a just a general recommendation is about four to eight good exercises um, programmed in your workout. You don't have to be at the gym for hours on end. Yeah, I think four to eight for one workout is a nice number. You can do four more compound lifts. You could do, you know three, two to three compound lifts, and then and program in some more isolation or smaller muscle group lifts, some single joint lifts. Um, so, you know, usually if it's more complex compound multiple joints, it's going to take a little longer because it's a lot more form to be focused on. Um, and if you do a single joint, it's going to take a little bit shorter time. So however you manipulate that for yourself, that will dictate, you know, how much you can squeeze into a 45 minute window, a 30 minute window, a 45 minute window, an hour long window. Um, and you know, if you do have three hours in your day to work out, well, 
hell, that's amazing. I don't know where you found those three hours, but good for you. Um, you know, that doesn't have to all be spent on your workout because we do see diminished returns as we are investing loads of time and, you know, accumulating fatigue across that course of time and so on and so forth. There is such thing as overtraining. More is not always better. <laughs> correct. Correct. Um, and I think going off of like those compound movements, we typically will program them at the beginning of a workout because they're the most taxing and they take the most kind of concentration, especially if you're lifting heavy and you want to make sure your form is like pristine, you should do it at the beginning of your workout when you're not all fatigued. Um, so in general, doing those like compound um, multiple joint movements before going into those accessory and like single joint movements um, and training those really large muscle groups first before moving on to the small accessory stuff. So chain from train from most to least complex. And again, this all comes down to whatever you're prioritizing. So whatever lift you're prioritizing, do it first. You'll be your best at the beginning of your workout. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also important for us to mention, you know, just the muscle action while we're lifting because we are going to get into some other topics as well into some more definitions so let's just really dive into some definitions right here um there are two main muscle actions that we work with while lifting isometric contractions versus dynamic contractions so isometric is going to be like a wall sit or like a plank so something where you're holding your muscle groups iso just means about equal or means equal or same metric is meters it's distance it's length so ISO, same metric length, you're going to have your muscles at the same length the whole time, no shortening in the contraction. Whereas a dynamic movement, like a bicep curl, a squat, you're going to have an, a concentric and an eccentric portion of that muscular contraction. Concentric is a muscle shortening, or it's going to have its muscle fibers coming in together. It's going to lead like a bicep curl. It's coming up to the top of that curl. Your biceps all flex to get the curl. Whereas muscle lengthening is the eccentric component of the contraction. That's going to be the lengthening, the extension of your muscle. Um, and that comes true with every movement that we have in a dynamic form. Um, and you see, which is really cool, that the greatest force per unit of muscle size is happening during an eccentric component of your contraction. So that lengthening where you're going, you know, you're fighting that dumbbell as it goes down in a bicep curl. Um, so slowing things down, focusing on that eccentric portion of the contraction is really cool and really vital as well if we're trying to maximize strength and even hypertrophy gains. Beautifully said, Andy. Uh, Thanks, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get more into a little bit more nitty gritty, like what, how much weight should I be lifting? What reps and sets should I use? Um, so just going through a couple like definitions to start. Um, load is a common def word that you'll hear and that just means the amount of weight that you are lifting. So your load is just the weight. Your volume is your sets and reps and load um, all multiplied together. So let me break that down. Um, so your sets are sets and reps. If you think about, let's go off that bicep curl example. So let's say I'm doing three sets of 10 reps of bicep curls. So I'm going to do my 10 reps, bicep curls, crank them out 10, and then I'm going to rest. So that's my first set is done of those 10. I'm going to go into my second set, do 10 more repetitions, rest, and then do my third. So that's three sets of 10 reps. Um, so that's kind of how you break down those sets of reps. So your volume is your sets times your reps times your load. So if I was doing three sets times 10 reps of 
10 pounds of a, a dumbbell multiply that together whatever that is math and then you have your number right there at your <laughs> disposal and there you go magic <laughs> Um, but volume is a great way to track, um, progress. I know we have a whole nother section on tracking progress or, um, progressive overload, but if you are increasing any one of those values, your volume overall will increase. And that's kind of where, what you want to happen over time. Um, and then there's also usually an inverse relationship between the load that you lift and the number of reps that you do. So if I'm lifting really heavy, I wouldn't go for like 12 or 15 reps. I would literally die. Um, so she would, she'd would, explode. <laughs> I'd probably pass out. Um, but yeah, so if I'm if I'm going to lift heavy, I'm only going to lift it. I'll only physically be able to lift it for a few reps. If I'm going lighter, I'll be able to lift it for more reps. So they have an inverse relationship. And there's other things involved with intensity too. So we have RPE, rating of perceived exertion, or RIR, which is, what is that, Kendall? <laughs> uh, reps in reserve. They're reps in reserve. <laughs> they're just like a subjective rating of like how hard you thought your exercise was. Yeah. So I, I like to go based off RP personally. So like on a scale of one to 10, how hard was it? One being the easiest little no effort, 10 being holy shit. <laughs> mayday, <one> mayday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my one rep max. They don't even know I have. Um, so I mean, how I usually go is I'll do something around the eight, the eight on there and I'll do like, you know, around eight to 12 reps of it. And then, you know, come the end of that eight to 12 reps, it'll be at about a 10 because I can barely lift it anymore. But in the beginning, I can do, you know, a few reps of it. So that's how I like to think of it in terms of I'll start off with, I'll do a weight where I can, it's heavy, but it's not going to, you know, destroy me. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, last couple of reps, let's get them in here. So gauge your RPE for you, your rating and perceived exertion, how hard it is your subjective effort. And then, you know, as you're going later into a set later into those reps or later into a workout, know that, yeah, I may be having this weight may be harder for me to do now. Um, and just gauging that and having that fluidity with your intensity. Yeah. Um, I think a common mistake that people make is two things. Either they lift way too light or they lift way too heavy. There's really, I mean, the middle, it's hard to find that sweet spot. So beginners start light, figure it out for yourself and then grow into it as we're selecting our weight so start light feel it out and then build 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 and find that like that range of oh this is a seven out of ten this is an eight out of ten eight out of ten stick there um and then progress from there and try to see if you can go up two and a half pounds five pounds whatever it is yeah yeah so kindle just broke down like some definitions loads volume sets rep all that good stuff but what how do we define intensity of our workout program how do we gauge that for ourselves there's a couple ways um so it's pretty standard thing that you'll see in a lot of strength training programs especially for if you're doing like strength and conditioning or if you're a coach or something for athletics um or powerlifting weightlifting what have you they'll be based off their one rm their one rep max um i'll be honest with you i have not done a one R one rm since high school and i don't really see myself doing that in the foreseeable future because Personally, it's just dangerous. One RM is the most amount of weight you can lift with one rep. And you need a spotter for that. And I don't always just like get someone to spot me. Um, and it's just a lot. And I just don't, and my goals, my program, I don't need that in my life. I just don't need to do it. I don't need to prove anything to anybody or to myself. I'm very confident in what I'm lifting. And I'll just progress with the moderate amount of weight that I lift um, throughout my program. 
how hard was it? Was it not hard? Increase the weight. Was it really hard? Maybe decrease the weight if you couldn't finish your set. Mm -hmm. Was it challenging, but you got through it, then maybe stay right where you were. Um, there's no like right answer to that. It's just kind of like trial and an error and you have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Kendall, what do I do? Let's say my, I'm right-handed. So let's say my right hand is, my right arm is like so much stronger than my left. What, what's the way I approach that? Do I just keep on lifting and just get my right arm to huge gains? My left just stays behind. What do I do? Um, so I think that is a common question and a common problem. I think everyone is is stronger on one side than the other. Um, and how I would say to go about that is to focus more on unilateral work. So instead of maybe let's take your chest, for example, let's say you barbell bench press all the time and you're doing your push-ups, and you notice that, or your bench press, and you notice that one side clearly can get up easier than the other. You're stronger on your right than your left. Um, maybe start programming more dumbbell um, presses so that you get that unilateral. Each arm has to work for themselves because there's two dumbbells in your hand. Um, so you can't compensate with your other one to get your other arm up. They are their own independent um, weights in each hand. So I would focus on more unilateral work. And then also as you're, if you're doing like a single arm rows, for example, um, focus on doing your sets on your weaker side first. So prioritize doing the reps on the weaker side before the stronger side. So again, your strongest at the beginning. So start with your weaker side where, yeah. when you're stronger. It's funny too, because as Kendall was explaining that I was thinking back to in high school, we would always do like, we would, I mean, we'd lift a lot in high school for football. And um, whenever we got left side, we'd all say strong side. So it'd be <laughs> left side, strong side. <laughs> and uh, I like that because it kind of tricks your brain to think of, and I'm right-handed. So it kind of tricks your brain to think of your non-dominant side as your strong side. So let's strengthen it. Let's like, it's strong, it's powerful. And you can totally use that for yourself. If you're left-handed, maybe you say right side, strong side, however it works for you. Or maybe you're ambidextrous and you're like, I ain't got this problem. Um, but, you know, it's just... Of, um, have you ever seen Scary Movie? It's like, yeah. this is strong hand. <laughs> oh, Scary Movie 2. He has the little guy when he's doing the mashed potato scene. That is to die for <laughs> he's like he's serving up at the dinner table you all have to watch scary movie too it's probably the best best scary movie he's doing the mashed potatoes he's the guy he's in um he's in uh what's that show right now uh shit's creek he's in shit's creek he's uh rolling shit he's rolling shit from shit's creek by the way love rolling shit oh my um, god yeah he is i love moira rose more and then everyone is all about david but david <laughs> um moira rose is my favorite but anyway rolling shit from shit's creek He's in the movie. He's the guy who plays a little butler dude with the little hand. And it's, uh, I love that scene. Anyway. Strong hand. <laughs> strong hand. Yeah. So <laughs> manipulate it, trick your brain to do that for yourself. So when you're lifting, the first thing that's going to happen before you see anything in the mirror, before you notice anything outside is the neurological adaptations that are happening within your body. So neurologically, you're going to be building stronger connections from your motor units, um, from your central nervous system out to your muscle, getting that neural connection, those adaptations that are just strengthening your body internally. And you're just getting more comfortable with the movement, identifying that movement and just getting better at performing that movement. That's why it's so important to lift functionally because then when you do movements in your activities of daily living, then you're going to get better at those activities. Um, right. So 
one thing, so this kind of goes into like how we want to explain this, which is let's talk about endurance lifting first, because this is where beginners mostly start um, or intermediate lifters mostly start. So like if you're beginning, you want to get comfortable with repetition, repetition after repetition. So you get more comfortable with the movement and you don't want to lift too heavy because you don't want to injure yourself from it. So endurance <laughs> lifting is lightweight and high reps with a moderate amount of sets. So you're going to be lifting like 12, 15 or more reps. And you're going to repeat those one, two, three times for each muscle movement. Um, and then you're going to be lifting around something like, you know, six to eight of your RPE. So around six to eight out of 10, something on the lower end, right in the middle. Um, that's how you start your training light repetition, repetition, get more comfortable with the movement. Yeah. And you get those, um, a lot of people hear of like beginner gains or, um, newbie gains. And that's really, it's just the neurological adaptation that's happening. The more repetitive you are with a movement, the more your body will get better at doing that movement. And so those are those beginner gains that you see is just like your body, just the mind muscle connection is just improving. And that's why you see, um, an increase in your performance initially. Um, and then it just kind of tapers off from there and it's a lot harder to make gains. <laughs> um, so I've been bobbing my head around to make Kendall laugh. <laughs> distracting me. <laughs> I do it all the time, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, you see those neurological adaptations, especially in this endurance phase when you're first starting out and those you're really not necessarily gaining muscle size or hypertrophy, which is what we'll go into next, but you're just kind of getting better at your body's just more efficient. Um, so going into more of a hypertrophy phase, this is where you'll increase that muscle fiber size. Um, and this is where a lot of, um, programs tend to program their workout, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> this is where so, a lot of people like this, a lot of people do hypertrophy because they're all about muscle mass gains, that type of stuff. Right. Um, and so with hypertrophy, your reps will be in about a six to 12 rep range. And you'll base that weight off of however much weight you can lift for six to 12 reps. It's generally um, around 80% or more of your one rep max or an eight on the RPE scale. Um, so that's kind of the intensity that you should be aiming for with those. Since you're doing less reps, you should increase the weight um, compared to an endurance phase. Yeah. And that kind of goes, so it's like endurance and then hypertrophy and then up even more would be strength. So strength in terms of that increase would be heavier load. So we're talking above eight, like nine, eight, nine, eight and a half, nine on the RP scale, maybe even 10 if we're doing that one RM. Um, and you're going to be doing typically less reps and more sets. So you're going to be going like one to six reps, super low. You're going to be taking more rest time in between and then you're going to be increasing your set. So you're going to be doing like sometimes three, five, six sets as you're going throughout that strength. Um, so it's super duper heavy, really focus on that, those neurological adaptations primarily, um, and just shooting those, that heavy load down the muscle. And it's like, ah, oh, maximal contraction right here. Oh, muscle fibers engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we get, we'll get more into the muscle, like motor units that are activated and stuff too, but essentially the heavier you lift, like there's motor units that are set aside for really heavy lifting. Those are going to come into play when it comes to strength training. They're like, Oh, here we go. It's like do or die right here with this bicep curl. 
one last um, just kind of programming thing is powered. Power is pretty much used for explosive, explosive dynamic work. So a lot of athletes um, will use um, power training and the reps and sets really vary on this depending on what you're doing. Um, but in general, sets are three to five reps vary a lot um, depending on the movement that you're doing. So if you're doing like Olympic lifts versus just like box jumps, um, those reps will vary a lot. Um, and then the um, intensity will also vary between like 30 to 60% of your one rep map. Yeah. So it's going to be varying reps. If you're doing like a, like Kendall said, that box jump, you're going to be jumping up on a box. Maybe it's more reps. Um, if you're doing like an Olympic lift, like a, uh, barbell clean, then you're going to be doing potentially less reps, heavier weight with it in your training program. And those reps are going to be faster. So that load that we're using can range between like a moderate weight to a really maximal weight. If depending on how many we're going for in terms of that varying rep range, um, and that varying set range. So power has a lot of uh, it's very dynamic. Um, and it's really based off, like Kendall said, the training that we're doing and more so specific to sports training, competitive training, weightlifting, powerlifting, those type of things. Yeah. I think in the end, these are all on a spectrum. So as long, it's not like you're only going to see these type of gains when you're doing hypertrophy training, like it's a spectrum. And as long as you're going intense with each, no matter what phase you're in or whatever phase you're doing right now, as long as you're lifting intensely and going near failure, no matter what rep range you use, set range you use, you'll see progression. So it's not like a hard line, like you have to do this many reps and this many sets. It's more of a spectrum. Um, so think about it that way. I think it's also important to like you use that RPE scale. Test out your strength every once in a while. Every once in a while, take whatever weight you've been doing um, consistently and say, all right, this said, I'm going to see how many reps I can do just max effort. And I think that you'll probably surprise yourself more, more often than not, and that you can lift more reps than what you've been training, um, which is a sign that you can probably either increase in weight or just lift that weight for more reps, um, in general. Um, so I think that just, you don't need to go to failure every single exercise session, but I think every once in a while, it's a good kind of like check yourself, say like, am I working as hard as I think I am? Yeah. So just challenge yourself and work for yourself um, and work into our next topic, which is progressive overload. Um, so progressive overload is just, it's really the exercise progression mantra. Um, it's going to be, you know, increasing volume in any way, shape or form. So we simplified volume by saying load sets reps, but it's even more than that. There's frequency. So how many days a week you're lifting? Um, there is how many movements you're doing as well. So let's say you're doing three chest movements or maybe six chest movements. Like if you're doing a big hypertrophy program, you could be doing three to six chest movements in a week or maybe even up to 12. And what's like this happy medium or happy spot for you. So trying to find that for yourself or trying to find ways to increase, um, to get overload on your muscles. The idea behind it is you want to increase the stressor, increase the volume in some way, shape or form. So you're continually getting stronger, continually increasing muscle mass, continually increasing muscular endurance, whatever your goal is specifically, you're continually increasing at that value. With that in mind, you can also focus on maintenance and throw all this out the window. But 
it is important to work on progression because we do see younger in life, we can build more and older in life, we don't have as much of that room. And we want to try to get our set, we want to get our point up as high as we can before it goes down and declines. Yeah. And I think even just slight variations, even smaller than like increasing your number of reps or sets or days per week or weight. And then I think the number one undervalued progression um, is incre- improving your form um, that people just don't think about that as a way that they're progressing, but you being able to do an exercise with better form is progression. Um, and I think that it's just kind of like an underappreciated form of progressive overload. Yeah, um, I completely agree with everything Kendall said. I think one of the best things to visualize is the push-up. So push-up is really hard. It's incredibly hard. Um, and a baseline that a lot of people start off with is they'll try to do it from their toes and then they their elbows will be flared out. They'll be too much shoulder dominant, strain on the shoulder. Really take it to the knees, break down to the knees or work off an inclined surface. Work there and practice on falling through, really just even getting the chest to the floor. Just focus on that slow eccentric muscle lengthening and then develop that neural connection adaptation and then get your strength and then adapt to a lower surface or your toes and it's amazing the distinction people can make and you can track your reps with it you can have a trainer help visualize or help you with your form or just getting that confidence under your belt because push-ups are one of those things that i have seen the most progress in so many people when they come back and back and back and those slight variations in forms those slight improvements in forms are progressive overload yeah I think that this would be a good place to answer one of the questions that we got about working out at home. I know a lot of people are at home right now. Um, So focusing on that time under tension, um, being intentional. If you have like weights at home, then awesome. Do some weight training. If you have maybe just a gallon of milk or a backpack, um, use those as your weights. You don't have to go out and buy weights to be able to weight train at home. Um, So use your surroundings, get creative. Um, And then additionally to that is to focus on that time under tension. So what we just talked about working on the tempo, adding a pause, um, maybe decreasing your rest time between sets, getting your heart rate up a little bit more, Um, whatever, kind of variations that you have to do at home to make your workout more intense. So slowing down emotion will make it harder. Uh, I think a lot of people try to just fly, get their reps done and just fly through it. Um, and you're cheating yourself doing that. Um, and another essential thing to think about is keeping track. So one thing that we're doing at burn right now with rise to challenge is people are writing out all their reps. We do two minute challenges. They write their reps and they can see every week how they're progressing or maybe not progressing. And it depends on how the week's going uh, as well. But seeing that progress, it's a whole nother way to get your motivation, to get your purpose, to get your why behind the movement. And you can see tangibly right there on the paper where you've seen where you are progressing. You don't need a number on a scale. You can see right there, okay, I went from 10 push-ups to 11 push-ups. Or I went from five on my knees, five on my toes, to six on my toes and six on my knees or something like that with your push-ups. Like there's so many ways that you can measurably t- track your progress. Yeah, from- the way that I like to do it is to use a Google Doc. So I have the app on my phone and so then 
Um, you don't have to like carry around if you're in like a commercial gym, you don't have to carry around like your notebook and everything and a pencil. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you have it right in your phone. Everyone's on their phone anyways. So I like using a Google doc and I just have a Google sheets and then I can open it on my computer if I want to, to edit something or um, change my program or whatever. Um, but definitely, yeah, keeping track of your workouts is the, I would say a number one goal that you should have. Yeah. And our, our last note here is we cannot, you know, forego talking about form. This comes back to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I've said it once. I'll say it 3000 more times. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Form is essential. The most important thing we can protect truly in our bodies are our central nervous system and our cardiovascular system and form and can, can impact both of those. Specifically, the central nervous system is our spinal health. So keeping a neutral spine, a comfortable spine position for majority of, for all of our movements. Um, and, you know, we always want to, a lot of times we get into this, like, oh, I want to lift really, really heavy and we'll sacrifice form. We'll start to sway. We'll start to use momentum. We'll start to crank our back. So truly focus on slowing things down, um, focusing on proper technique and neutral spine and strong core and soft knees and mobile joints, um, as opposed to just this heavy pump, 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 pump. Um, because not doing a movement right is going to impact your health overall. And we can see it. I mean, the biggest thing that we have is low back pain. Let's talk, like, everyone is like, Oh, my back hurts. I don't, I, it's hard to sit down. It's hard to move around, you know, think about this. When you're older, you want to be able to do all the things that you can do now, or mostly all of them. And if you can't move, or if you start to lose feeling or sensation from your central nervous system into an extended extension to your joints or your hands or your feet, then that is going to impact how we're living our lives. Um, so, you know, don't try to lift too heavy. If you're scared of it, that's a, that's rational fear. Um, start light, build into it. Um, and then start, you know, seeing, pushing the envelope a little bit, see how that weight goes. If it's too much, if you're using too much momentum, slow it down. Um, since when we're talking about speed of a movement, speed works on a spectrum. So like, if you think of like a force velocity curve, if you're lifting really, really heavy, you want to go slow. If you're lifting really, really light, you can probably go a little faster. And then in the middle. So if you're lifting a moderate weight, you can move at a moderate speed. And those are the principles you want to apply to that muscular contraction as you're going through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that when people are, a lot of our questions were also about form. And so a good way to check your form and uh, use a mirror, that was a beautiful way to check your form. <laughs> look at yourself. Um, oh, damn, because, I look good. <laughs> yeah, check yourself out. Um, take check a yourself before you wreck yourself. Just check yourself out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Um, and also take a video. If you're not sure, take a video, send it to, send it to one of us. We can, we'll critique your form. Um, in terms of people like working out when they have an injury, or if you start to feel like something's not right when you're in your workout, try to maybe decrease your range of mo range of motion. So only work through the range of motion that feels comfortable. So if you're doing a shoulder press and when you go straight overhead, you feel an impingement in your shoulder, then decrease that range of motion. So only go to right before you feel that pain. Um, so that's one way to kind of exercise with a um, with some type of pain, obviously Andy and I are not physical therapists. We cannot give you specific rehab advice. Um, so if you do have like serious recurring pain that stays sticks around for a long time, see a physical therapist. 
Yeah, and, and in synopsis, with everything we just said, just bring it back home. The best program is one you'll stick to. You stick to it with good form. You stick to it by doing stuff that you prioritize or that you like to do, that you can prioritize, that you care about, that you love. And you stick to it by you know falling in love with your craft and your little habits that you make for yourself. So the best program is the one that you create, the one you'll stick to. I think it's crush time. I think it is too, finally. We have a we have a quick crush, quick crush yeah. gym crush of the week. My favorite lift is a heavy hip thrust. I love it. My ass feels like it's on fire. It's like I'm getting it's like I'm just it's the most amazing thing in the world. And I just love the feeling of it. I love how strong I feel from it. I love how I'm able to lift heavy weights with it and with good form and technique. And it just makes me happy. And thrust it up, everybody. Thrust it up. All right, mine, I'm going to go with the deadlifts, kind of playing off of my story from a couple episodes ago um, when Michaela had first shown me a deadlift. And now when I do that, I just feel so badass and strong. And it's just like it's total like 180 from what I was doing before. And so I really am a fan of deadlifts. You yeah, crush and that's that. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. There, there. If anyone has any questions, you got any comments, please feel free to message us. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap it up right there. Remember, the best program is the one you'll stick to, and the best crush is you because you are that gym crush. Oh, uh, wahoo! Bye, everybody. Bye.